0: You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisco, along with your host, James Rapine. We've got mandatory mini camp this week, James, the last phase, the last week of the Bengals off-season program before they take a little break, about a month off they'll have before they report for training camp in late July. So we're going to talk about minicamp expectations for a lot of today's episode. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and let them know. That locked on sent you. So, James, it's time for mandatory minicamp, and I don't know how many differences we'll actually see this week. The biggest difference might be that you will be there for all three days, but all of the Bengals offseason program has been conducted under the quote unquote phase three rules, which has the entire time allowed for things like 11 on 11, 7 on 7 some contact, not full contact, but some contact, and the minicamp will occur in the same phase, the difference could be that it's mandatory. The OTAs are optional. We know that around the league, Bengals included, coaches had to negotiate with their players to get them to show up and participate in OTAs. There's a chance that those OTA negotiations could have included concessions around minicamp, but we don't really know that. That's all speculative. But you will be there at least for all three days. So instead of just seeing the first practice of the week, you'll see what it looks like for the flow of three practices.
1: And the first thing I'll be looking forward to is seeing Joe Burrow, not only one day, but three straight days. What does he do Tuesday? Is it the same thing Wednesday? And is he just as consistent and then what about Thursday? Because that's the the thing. As impressive as he's been over the past three weeks of OTA practices and just being out there alone was uh, somewhat of a surprise to to me at least uh, a few weeks ago. But the the fact that he's slowly ramped it up each and every Tuesday that we've seen him. Well, how does it go week to week, and how will it go in minicamp? Will we see? Uh, a deep ball session on Thursday? Will we see a uh, 7-on-7 seven seven or 11-on-11 11 11 with Burrow? You know, could could Burrow do 11-on-11? You never know. Will they just put a bubble around him and say, don't get near him if you're a defensive line coach, Marion Hobby, you'd scream at that those defensive linemen, and he's in on 11-on-11. 11 11. So uh, that part of it uh, is certainly the number one thing I'll be looking for th- this week is, one, is Burrow exactly what he's been over the past three weeks? And two, can he do it three straight days? How do they handle him and everything that goes into number nine?
0: Crazy that Joe Burrow is the top story of minicamp, right? I mean, who would have thought Wild. that the first thing we talk about on a Locked On Bengals podcast when we're looking forward to minicamp is Joe Burrow? I, I mean, couldn't have been me. Right, I, I mean, with all these new players on the defensive side of the ball, you're saying you want to pay attention to Joe Burrow? And, and that's what I think the conversation probably would be if Joe Burrow had never gotten hurt, right? We would be interested in Jackson Carmen and this offensive line. We'd be interested in these corners, this entirely new cornerback group. We'd be interested in the linebackers, who's taking a step. There would be even more interest around Jamar Chase, as the new flashy number one pick, but instead we remain focused. And I think rightly so on Joe Burrow, because not only is he the team's superstar quarterback and pretty much anything the Bengals do, we we think about how does this affect Joe Burrow or how does Joe Burrow affect this player or this coach or this whatever, this PR move that the Bengals have done. Everything ties back to him but he's coming off the injury. And so we're just fully microscope on the quarterback. What kind of participation will he have? I would be, and and here's where maybe I'll have to correct myself because you didn't think he would necessarily be involved in these OTAs. I would be very surprised if he participates in 11-on-11s. I could see him participating in 7-on-7s, and he may have actually done that already In fact, we we believe he has. Jay Morrison's reporting indicating that he actually did participate in some measure or the Bengals at least ran some measure of seven on sevens in the last week. I would expect him to be involved there, but like they're not even letting him put a running back in the backfield with him on like coordinated play action practice plays Uh, and and having even a pass rush that, you know, even if they yell at him, hey, don't touch him, don't touch him, don't touch him. If they're not letting you do something you can control with a play action fake or even just handoffs, I can't imagine letting him face anything that even resembles a pass rush.
1: It would be a surprise, again, because much like how I thought a few weeks ago, you know, what's the risk versus what's the reward? And can you simulate 90 to 95 percent of this in seven on sevens for him? so he doesn't have to do the 11-on-11 type stuff, right? Or can you just do one-on-ones and have him throw deep balls and work on that and um, have these receivers go up against the corners? Like, is that 80% of what he's going to see in 7-on-7 anyway? Because that might be the route to go, and then you can slowly ramp him up when training camp starts. So that would be, if I had to guess, where it is. Because, again, he hasn't been cleared for contact, and obviously the the contact portion, he's not going to get hit or anything like that, but it doesn't matter. Like, why why push it too far? Risk pushing it too far, and I think this goes beyond a Zach Taylor type decision. Obviously, you have to consult with team doctors, but it's an organizational thing, right? Where I would not be shocked at all if Mike Brown, Duke Tobin, and the rest of the Bengals front office is involved in Joe Burrow's schedule. And a few weeks ago, he did refer to it as you know ownership and things like that, uh, when talking about potentially playing in the preseason, I, I don't think Minicamp's going to be any different in, in how he's used or how much he's out there during what I do think, uh, we could see some 11 on 11, even if he isn't out there.
0: Yeah. I think we will see 11 on 11. Like it just makes sense as a natural progression of things. They've been ramping these guys up for three weeks. You heard Zach Taylor talk about that, you know, there are certain things they don't like to do right away. The deep balls, for example, they don't want T. Higgins blowing out a hamstring, right? They don't want Jamar Chase coming in as a rookie, pushing a little too hard right away. But then as you get into the third week, fourth week of things, you can open it up a little bit. They, they've done some seven on sevens, 11 on 11, obviously the natural next step. But it, it absolutely depends on where Joe Burrow's at medically. It seems like the, the way they've talked about his involvement in OTAs has been he really wanted to be out there. That's great. They've handled him with kick gloves a little bit. Also great, in my opinion. That's fine. At some point, though, Joe Burrow will have to play football. He will have to be around guys flying around. At some point, Joe Burrow is going to get hit again. But there's no need for that to happen in June, in early June. It shouldn't happen in training camp either. That just shouldn't happen for your quarterback in practices. So they have time to figure out a plan. He has more time to rehab. Like I said, there's about a month between minicamp and in training camp, actually a month and a week, I think, give or take, before players will report back to Paul Brown Stadium after they get a month off. Coaches get a month off too. Nice time for everybody. Everybody gets their vacation. But you know who won't probably take a vacation, James? Joe Burrow. He's going to be there skipping his trip to Disney World. He's going to keep rehabbing that knee and then he'll probably be ready for a little bit more by the time training camp comes around.
1: He's skipping the the summer trip to Disney World because he wants a winter trip to Disney World, maybe in mid-February, Jake, let's go.
0: That's your daily dose of optimism from James Rapine. coming up next. We <laughs> talk a little bit about some of the other mini camp storylines, all those things that I kind of listed earlier that I said we're not paying as much attention to because we're focused on Joe Burrow, his recovery, his superstardom in Cincinnati. Talk about some other mini camp related topics coming up next.
1: Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The Reds, as we record this, are five hundred. They're even, and that means you could bet on them if you think that they're going to make a push here. I don't know about that bullpen, or maybe you want to bet on the NBA playoffs as Donovan Mitchell's Utah Jazz try to make it to the Western Conference Finals. Get all of the latest news, odds, and info for your sporting needs. In one spot, betonline.ag. So get off the sidelines, get in on the action. And when you go to betonline.ag right now and sign up for free, you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with promo code locked on. It's that simple. Betonline.ag, make that first deposit, promo code locked on, gets your free money. A 50% welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. There's going to be a ton of stuff that comes out over the next few days about the Bengals during mini camp and different things that they're doing. But the thing I'm going to try to focus on the most outside of number nine is what's in front of him because that's been the, the downside of OTAs is there, there just isn't much you can say about the offensive line. And I'm not saying mini camp is going to be this revelation where we come out of it and say, Oh man, insert this player is going to have a breakout year. Like, cause that's probably not going to happen in the trenches on the offensive line. But I do think we'll get to see more of Frank Pollock. We'll get a, a closer look at these offensive linemen and what is hopefully a, a revamped unit that's been such a topic that we've talked about, not just this offseason, really since last offseason, right? So it's it's been kind of a never-ending conversation about the offensive line and, uh, you know, are they truly better I think this is going to kind of give us our first little bit, a little snapshot of what's uh, what's to come this season.
0: The never-ending story four coming to Cincinnati TV sets in 2021. Will the Bengals offensive line be any good this year? Do you know what the never-ending story is, James? I do, and I do believe you're referring to the 80s classic,
1: the never-ending story.
0: Did you know there were three Never-ending story movies, 1984, 1990, and 1994. I did not.
1: I think I might have seen the second one, might. I know I've seen the first one, uh, but I kind of gave myself away there when I said 80s classic because I didn't think that uh, any of them were in the 90s, but I guess two of the three were.
0: Also, did you know it was apparently, at the time of its release, the most expensive film produced outside the United States or Soviet Union?
1: Well, that's what happens when you have to produce weird, giant animals and different sets and different things like that. I mean, that was a very, uh, very unique movie, to say the least.
0: I honestly don't remember it at all, except apparently it was for the uh, a large part of it was done in West Germany back when Germany was in two parts. Anyway, the, the tie in is that we're still talking about the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line and. Much like the never-ending story, this is the the third year, fourth year, fifth year, going back to 2016 that we're, we're talking about this. And it remains a story for the Bengals in, in minicamp. It'll remain a story in training camp. It'll be a story in the preseason. It'll be a story in the first quarter of the season. And hopefully after that, it's not a story anymore, but I feel like it's just going to remain a story for, I don't know, as long as it needs to be, right? Like we're going to be talking about it until it's fixed. And then when it's fixed, maybe we'll be talking about it the other way with the general increased awareness around offensive line play that has emerged in Cincinnati and really around the league with some guys like Willie Anderson, Duke Manyweather, et cetera, making their thoughts on the forgotten position, the forgotten positions being paid more attention to but certainly for Cincinnati what what we could be looking at this week is who are the units who who's out there with the first team is Jackson Carmen getting reps with the first team because the only time we've really talked about Jackson Carmen is when he was not with the first team at the very beginning of OTAs and since then the the name and and the different guys rotating with the offensive line haven't really been a topic of conversation so something we can keep an eye on in mandatory minicamp, as we get three days to watch these guys this week.
1: And as far as Jackson Carmen goes, if he's not lining up with the ones this week, I don't want anyone to panic. I don't want anyone to freak out and, and call him a, a bust, Or and I'm not saying you're going to. But I remember, and I'm going to keep referring back to this because I think Bengals fans know how talented Joe Mixon is. There was a time, not during minicamp, during training camp, where Joe Mixon was the third string running back behind Jeremy Hill and Giovanni Bernard. And there was never a time during Jeremy Hill's really football life where he was more talented than Joe Mixon, including when he was running for a bunch of yards and Mixon was at Oklahoma. Mixon's always had more talent and that's just part of it. Right. And so I I think that that's, that's the, the balance here is yeah, we do want to evaluate these guys as much as we can, but Carmen might, and it, it sounds silly. And I don't know if Zach Taylor is actually going to do this. But he might be a backup and with the twos because he's a rookie right now. And he's got to earn his stripes, so to speak. And I'm okay with that because it's minicamp. And a lot of these rookies were on Zoom last year. And if that's the the hoops that they're going to make him go through to to earn that starting right guard spot, then that's okay with me.
0: I was listening to Kyle Shanahan talk about drafting uh, trade Lance and, and the plan for Trey Lance. And if he was going to be, if he knew he was going to be the number two right away, and if he was going to be competing for a starter spot. And he talked about it's different because it's a quarterback, but rookies come in and they, they have to figure out what the hell they're doing before they can really compete. They have to learn a whole new playbook, all this new terminology, get their bearings for NFL practices. In some cases, a new city, obviously not for Jackson Carmen. But there's a lot going on for rookies in those first months with a new team. So it could just be that. It could be as simple as we're going to use OTAs in minicamp to get him acclimated, to get him coached up a little bit, to get him installed. And then we'll have a real competition in training camp. And I think that's something that probably deserves, for all the roster battles, a little bit of perspective around this roster is, I don't know how much you can always take away from OTAs and, and from mini camp when a lot of these competitions won't start in earnest until training camp. But not only the offensive line will be dealing with these sorts of conversations, I think we've talked about in the past, you know, the the defensive trenches, the the defensive line rotation. Trey Hendrickson apparently recently said that they've been working him in as a three tech. And I wonder what sub package that would be part of. I wonder if it's just a depth thing with wanting to get some versatility there in addition to uh, Sam Hubbard kicking inside, in addition to our speculation that Cam Sample might kick inside. Hendrickson did, by the way, play 10% of his snaps for New Orleans inside a tackle. So it's not like he has no experience there. And that was in 2020. So he has some experience kicking inside. But I, I do wonder, I continue to wonder, how this defensive line will look. I feel like, you know, we've talked about the secondary quite a bit. We've talked about the fact that they're going to want to go single high quite a bit. Let Jesse Bates play that middle of field center fielder role. They're going to do some more press man, I think outside. And we've talked a lot about, I don't really know what exactly the plan is for the defensive front. Are they really trying to two gap? Are they really trying to resurrect a Dick LeBeau style two gapping 3-4 base defense with Mike Hilton coming in as a versatile slot blitzing kind of player and the amount of outside rushers they've added and and big guys they have that could be you know your traditional 3-4 and and 3-4 nickel package kind of stuff where if you start to consider some of these edge rushers as linebackers in terms of 3-4 linebackers then maybe the roster construction Ends up a little bit different with the players they keep at interior defensive line versus outside uh, edge rushers that that can fill the the quote unquote linebacker role too, and maybe they keep fewer traditional off ball linebackers and more edge rushers. So that's a conversation that I'm interested in seeing how that develops, especially because we have hardly talked about linebacker. The PFF just said the Bengals have the 31st best linebackers in the NFL. It's not very good, and so. Uh, I I don't know. I don't know what's going on with those guys. Obviously something we need to watch is is Logan Wilson going to be that guy. I think that's a big candidate, but a lot going on in the defensive side of the ball where there's a lot of new faces and, and still some uncertainty for me personally about what the plan is for the front four.
1: And it's sort of funny how the offensive line has been, you know, such an issue that we've talked about. And a year ago, I thought the Bengals' defensive line was one of their biggest strengths, and it clearly was not for a bunch of different reasons last year. And so we'll see how these two units um, can improve, and hopefully they both take strides and make strides forward, and we get to see at least a piece of that this week during minicamp. Up next, a couple of interesting things with the Bengals. Zach Taylor talked recently, plus on Hall of Fame executive questioning the Bengals offseason. We'll react to both of those things, but we talk about it all the time here on Locked on Bengals. Built Bar is the number one protein bar on the planet. They have nine delicious flavors, whether it's coconut, almond, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie. They're all covered in 100% chocolate, and the best part isn't their amazing taste. It's the macros. High in protein, low in sugar, low in calories, perfect for you as you're trying to get lean before vacation, or maybe you're trying to bulk up like some of these guys like Joe Burrow and T. Higgins have done on the Cincinnati Bengals this offseason, you can get there with Bilt Bar. So go to builtbar.com right now. See all of the awesomeness that they have to offer. And when you check out, use promo code LOCK15. You're going to get 15% off your first order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at builtbar.com.
0: My favorite thing about rockauto.com is how fairly they treat the do-it-yourselfers out there. A lot of chain stores have different price tiers for the professional auto shops out there, but Rock Auto's prices are the same for everybody. And we've talked all the time about how great their prices are. They always offer the lowest possible prices. And unlike Costco, there's no membership required. You don't even need to make an account to go shopping at rockauto.com. So you can go check out their incredibly easy-to-use, unique catalog. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle. You can choose the brands, the specs, and the prices that you prefer. Go check out everything they've got, rockauto.com. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Find what you need, and when you're checking out, make sure you write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com I don't know if you've been getting questions about this, James, but I've been getting questions about Zach Taylor going on with Peter Schrager and Sean McVay on the Flying Coach podcast and they had about an hour-long conversation and some pretty interesting things came up, I thought. I think a couple of the noteworthy headlines were that Sean McVay also wanted and thought the Bengals were were appropriate or correct in taking Jamar Chase. Two, Sean McVay has a future, I think, in being John Gruden. I think that if he wants to go to the booth, his style is very much John Gruden. Like the way he would talk about football, the way he would talk about players, the way he would talk about coaches. He's a hype man. He's a big time hype man. And he also hyped up Zach Taylor. He said that, you know, they met when they were young at Indianapolis at a combine and that he was just always really impressed with the amount of work that Zach put in and when he could get him to be an assistant wide receivers coach. I think that's that's where he started in L.A. McVeigh was very excited to just get him in the building because he's always seen Taylor as the ascending coach as this ascending coach rather that that would go above and beyond the the job description and and eventually he did he worked his way into the quarterback coach role and McVay remains effusive in his praise for Taylor. What stood out to you, James, in the conversation these guys had?
1: Well, one apparently Zach Taylor can still sling it a bit because of uh, some of those workouts that they had pre-draft wise with Cooper Cup and uh, you know other receivers that ultimately ended up in los angeles with the rams and zach taylor was the one throwing him the ball so i think that's kind of cool uh the other thing was and i wrote about this and it's just a little something small and i think some people thought that taylor was comparing the two players in jamar chase and cooper cup but it was more about naming two traits that they both have and so i want to make that clear the Bengals didn't draft the next cooper cup with the fifth overall pick but what zach taylor was saying is that Chase reminds him of Cup, in the sense that he has great body control. The other thing that he said is that they're both hard to bring down on the first contact, which two awesome traits to have. And then he went on to say, yeah, but you, you, you have those things that Cup has, plus unbelievable athleticism in the high-end speed and all of the things that Chase possesses. But to me that stood out because Cooper Cup is a guy that is – I mean, I, I think he's great. I think he's a, a great receiver. Didn't top the 1,000-yard mark last year, but has averaged over 1,000 yards over the past two seasons. And certainly if you took Cup and you gave him four three four speed with uh, a little more athleticism, I think he could be one of the game's best receivers. And I think that was Zach Taylor's way, uh, way of saying how special Chase is.
0: Yeah, I think that's pretty interesting when I think Jamar Chase Cooper Cup is like not even in the in the book of, of players that I <laughs> that I think of when I try to come up with here's some here's some similar traits and so very productive wide receiver to be sure and could be even more productive with Matt Stafford's arrival in LA but it is interesting it is interesting I mean I guess they were just talking about Cooper Cup and wide receivers and some of the things that, you know, Zach Taylor liked in Jamar Chase. But I did find it pretty interesting how excited Sean McVay seemed for the Bengals offense. And I think, you know, part of it is, like I said, he's a he's a Gruden-esque hype man. When when I was listening to it, I really did think like, man, this sounds like John Gruden. You get any of that from from McVay?
1: Yeah, because part of it is he talks fast and I, I think that his delivery it, it, you know, where he could be like that young Gruden, and I, but I do think the difference is, I think McVeigh, oh, this is might be a take, but I don't care. I think mcVeigh's already a better head coach than John Gruden. So like you know, m- maybe he's unproven now or he's not as big of a name, but I already have him ahead of like if I had to rank coaches, McVeigh would be well ahead of Gruden in my my rankings. but yeah, I agree. I think there's. Something infectious about his personality that uh, that that comes out, and when you mix in his delivery and his cadence, that certainly is part of it.
0: What have you done for me lately, James? Rapine, Forget winning Super Bowls. We've been to a Super Bowl recently. We're building something that may or may not be sustainable in L.A. It'll be really interesting to see that division this year. I'll just say that before we get back to the Bengals, that NFC West <laughs> is just an absolute grindhouse of a division. Uh, outside of that, James, you put this up at allbengals.com. I saw the headline as well. Gil Brandt doing his thoughts on some off seasons. Does acknowledge and, and has seen the Twitter conversations, I guess, that the Bengals did take steps to try to protect Joe Burrow. He talked about Riley Reef, talked about Jonah Williams, talks about Jackson Carmen, but he does wonder like we've talked about and the national media continues to, to wonder as everybody's getting through their various, you know, who did the right thing in the off season pieces is where that part of the media cycle for NFL off seasons, everybody continues to wonder, did the Bengals do enough to protect Joe Burrow and Gil Brandt still questioning that. And, and one of the points that he makes is did they get the right linemen in the second round. And the way he phrases it is a little bit, you know, not attuned to what the Bengals were doing. Cause the Bengals were going to take Jackson Carmen no matter what. So as John Sheeran pointed out, when he tweeted about Gil Brand's article, it's really a question of, did they take the right guy? Because they could have made a decision not to trade back. Right. If, if Tevin Jenkins turns out to be a better player, then than does Jackson Carmen, we're going to look at this trade and think, yeah, okay, you got a couple extra fourth rounders, but was it worth it if if Tevin Jenkins goes on to be a really good player in the NFL and Jackson Carmen doesn't hit? But obviously those are very big what-ifs.
1: Especially if Dante Smith doesn't hit or any of those other guys, right? If if no one involved in that trade hits and Tevin Jenkins is a pro bowler and Jackson Carmen is just a serviceable starter, it's like, damn, what the hell are you thinking, right? But on the flip side, what if it's the other way? And Jackson Carmen becomes a serviceable starter. Uh, but Dante Smith develops into, you know, the starting right tackle in 2022 and beyond. Then it, it really, you know, it, it, it could almost be a win-win uh, type of proposition, which hopefully that is the case. Because I want to see Tevin Jenkins have success as well, blocking for QB1 Andy Dalton in Chicago. Oh, Th- that being said, I... uh <laughs> I I think that this trade, it was risky at the time, and not the trade itself, but the idea of passing on a guy like Tevin Jenkins, who we talked about potentially trading up for. The Bengals had Carmen hire. It's a gamble, and we'll see if they're right. They very well could be right, right? They were right about Jesse Bates. when I, I think some people were surprised when they picked him in the second round. If they get it right here with Jackson Carmen, no one will be questioning it in a couple of years.
0: Yeah, and I think the other thing to consider that has needed to be pointed out to me several times. And so that's why I bring it up, I guess is that the Bengals might actually have designs on moving Jackson Carmen to tackle in the future. And it's not something that we talk about very much because I just see him as a guard personally. And, and just think that in so many ways he he's better served playing guard than playing tackle. But the Bengals could very well have a plan to develop him into a future tackle. And we don't know what their plan is long-term, but certainly short-term, Jackson Carmen will need to hit the ground running for the answer to Gilbrant's question, did the Bengals do enough? And not just Gilbrant, but our question. Bengals fans' questions, national media's questions, really everybody covering the team while acknowledging that the team did take steps to make the offensive line better. The question until we see it until they prove it, will be, did they do enough? And we're going to get sick of hearing it. That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked on Bengals podcast. We're back on Tuesday after day one of this week's mandatory minicamp. We'll get you all caught up on what goes down on Tuesday's minicamp. And that episode will be dropping on Tuesday night. Then we're back on Thursday as normal as we stick to our three episode a week format for just a few more weeks. And if you really miss James and I that much. We both do have one day each on the Locked On NFL podcast. You can go check that out. James is on Wednesdays. I'm on Thursdays. Get some all NFL coverage from your Locked On Bengals hosts. Until next time, Bengals fans. Minicamp coming your way soon. Hooday And have a good one.